Uh, for those of us who are visiting, uh, my name is Fred, and uh, on behalf of my family, my wife Nancy, and uh, two boys, Jesse and Jerry, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to have that break. Um, we feel refreshed, we feel energized, and we feel the fuel tank now is empty to first 2024, I mean uh, full. The fuel tank is full, sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. The fuel tank is full to journey 2024. So thank you so much for allowing us to, to have that trip. Um, apologies from uh, Bishop uh, uh, Philip Kitoto. Uh, we had announced earlier that he'll be preaching today. And actually he came to Krang with us last Monday. He was here on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, but he had to leave for something else. He sent his apologies, but also he sent his greetings. But he has also one of my greatest friends, uh, Reverend Gibson. His name is actually pronounced Anduvate. Can you try and say Anduvate? Anduvate. It's a very easy name. And uh, <laughs> he's a good friend. Uh, Gibson is, has been a friend for a while. We served together at International Christian Center, where him and I served as associate pastors under the leadership of uh, Reverend uh, Philip Kitoto. And I'm glad he's here with us. Um, this is not the first time for him to be in Kerang. Actually, he's been to our house in 2018. Can you believe it? He's been to Kerang before, and uh, he's enjoyed it, and that's why he's back visiting us, but also to come and share the message with us. He's married to Liz and Duvate, and they have lovely, wonderful three children. Is that correct? <laughs> they have three children. And we just want to, I want to invite him to come here as I pray. And uh, I pray that uh, whatever our Lord has put in his heart, that you bless us today as an encourage us today. So before I pray for him, I want also to say that, uh, we were saddened by the, the heavy rain. We had the floods a bit in Kerang, and uh, a number of people also affected. We had rain even in Nairobi and other places we visited. There had been a lot of rain um, toward the end of last year. But I want us to pray that even this year, the Lord will give us the right rain so that we can have the, the right harvest as we look into 2024. So let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for my brother here, uh, Pastor Gibson, um, for bringing him and uh, his wife to come and share with us this message this morning. We also thank you for uh, Bishop Philip, who was meant to share today, but he had to travel. We just want to say thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Lord, we know that some of us have been affected by the, 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 the heavy rains, and uh, some people have been experienced flooding, Father, not only here in Victoria, but across the world, uh, across in Africa. We just want to pray that, Lord, may you encourage them, may you, uh, may, may you lift them up, oh God. Those that have uh, wasted and lost property, we pray that you provide for them, Father. And Lord, as we begin this year, 2024, we want to thank you, and we pray, Lord, may you guide us May you continue to watch over us, O oh God. I pray for those that have walked in today and are feeling a bit hopeless. For those that have walked in today and are feeling that they're far away from you, God, I pray 
that you draw close to them today, Father. I pray for Reverend Gibson today as he brings a message. Lord, I pray for your anointing and your leading, Father. I pray for his time also in Karang and also when he prepares to fly this week. We want to commit that to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome, Reverend Gibson. God bless you so much. Thank you so much. It's really a joy and a privilege to be here uh, this uh, morning. As you've heard, my name is Gibson uh, Anduvate. But if you, if you struggle to pronounce my second name, it's okay. Because I hear different variations every day. Uh, I really want to thank uh, Pastor Fred and Nancy for allowing us this opportunity to be here with you this morning. Uh, you know, the time difference between us and Nairobi and here is about uh, nine hours. So it's still uh, deep at night in Nairobi, and in a couple of hours, our congregation is going to be gathering for their Sunday service. But I felt so much at home this morning, uh, as Max was leading us with the songs. You know, we sing the same songs and uh, share communion in the same way. And, and I was just so encouraged that we are in such different parts of the world, but we are part of the same body. We are part of the same body of Christ, and what a joy that we can be part of this family this family of God. Yesterday I had a chance to meet with some of your, your elders, your leaders, uh, meeting with, the, with David and uh, Dick and uh, Max, Judy and Leanne, and I was so encouraged at the dreams and the desires that they have to see come to pass in this church. And we are praying with you and believing with you that God is going to do a great work in this congregation in the days that are ahead. I want to bring a, a simple word to us this morning from the book of Genesis. If you will turn with me to Genesis uh, chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and from verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, we read from verse 1. We will read all through to verse 5. Genesis reading from Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse 1. The word of God says, The Lord had said, to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3 says, I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So it says in verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. When you read this portion of scripture, it marks the beginning of a, a story a story of a man, a man that was called by God. And many of us would know the story of this man, Abraham. Initially, his name is Abram, which means exalted father. But later on, God changes his name, changes his name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, a father of many nations. And when I think about the life of this man, the amazing life that he lives, for me, I see a man who was rooted in the promises of God. A man who was rooted in the promises of God. As we read through the scriptures, we see 
the promises of God. As we navigate through life, through the different seasons of life, it's so important that you and I are rooted in the promises of God. You see, Abraham was 75 years old. By the time you get to 75 years old, you'll probably begin to think about retirement and, and settling down and really living a life of ease. But here was a man at 75 years old, and God was speaking to him. God wasn't just speaking to him. God was calling him. And so God calls him out. He calls him out of his nation, calls him out of his father's household, calls him out of his people, and then says to him to go to this land that I will show you. You see, Abraham was facing an uncertain future. But as he stepped into this uncertain future, he chose to hold on to the promises of God. He chose to be rooted in the promises of God. I want to say to each one of you that God has a future for you. God has a future for you. And as you think about the season that's ahead, maybe you're in your, in your older years or in your younger years or just starting out a life, whatever season you're in, you have to understand that, number one, each one of us, each one of us has a God-given purpose. That God has a purpose for every individual. Every individual. When you read in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, the word of God says, For I know, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. There is no life that has no meaning. There is no life that has no purpose. It's also important for us to understand that our purpose is aligned to God's calling of our lives. That not only has God given us a purpose for our lives, but he also calls us. He calls us to serve him. He calls us to give of ourselves. God always calls us to give of our time, of our talents, and of our treasure to be able to serve him. God has created us to, sp to fulfill a specific purpose. But not only has he created us to fulfill a specific purpose, he has called us to live a life that honors and glorifies his name. We have to understand that the only way we can fulfill purpose is at the center of God's will. We can only fulfill the purposes of God when we are at the center of his will. Matthew chapter 6, the gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 it's one of my favorite scriptures. And the word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As we seek to live lives of purpose that are anchored on God's calling upon our lives, it's so important that we are at the very center of God's will. And being at the center of God's will is when you and I commit ourselves and we say that all our time, all our treasures, and all our talents will be used for his glory and for his, and for his name. But what I find is that for many of us, we disqualify ourselves. We disqualify ourselves from fulfilling God's purposes in our lives. We disqualify ourselves from fulfilling God's calling upon our lives. And for many of us, we say, I'm too old. Do you know somebody in the scriptures who said that? Moses said that. When Moses, when God calls Moses, in Exodus chapter, 30, chapter 3, in Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses at the burning bush. But do you know what Moses' response was? Moses responds and he says, who am I? Who am I that I should be used of you? You think about Jeremiah. 
God calls Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's response is, I am too young. A lot of times when God calls us, when God speaks to us, it's so easy for us to look at our inadequacies and to disqualify ourselves from being used of God to fulfill his purposes. We disqualify ourselves. I was at the University of Nairobi. I was a college student. I was in the computer science class. I was in my fourth year of my computer science degree. And then one morning, as I was going through God's word, God spoke to me, and I sensed a call upon my life. I began to wrestle with God. As a student, I was in my final year. I kept thinking to myself, there are all these dreams and desires that I've had for my life. How can I now begin a journey of ministry? And there were so many people around me who thought I'd lost my mind. They couldn't believe that I'd heard from God and that God had called me. But as a fourth-year college student, I committed myself to pursue the calling of God upon my life. Every day I look back, it's been 20 years, and I'm so glad that I made that decision to obey God's calling upon my life. When God calls us, it's so easy for us to look at our circumstances and to say, but God can use the pastor, but God can use someone else, but God can use Max, God can use... David, but when God calls you, do not disqualify yourself. Embrace God's calling upon your life. Embrace the purposes of God upon your life. Know that God has called you to be set apart. When you think about this journey that Abraham was on, he had to separate himself, separate himself from his family, leave the ore of the Chaldeans where his family had settled and begin a journey to where God had called him. I normally think about that moment as Abraham began this journey, as God was speaking to him, and people would ask him, you know, it's like God speaking to you today and saying, leave Kerang, leave your family, leave your father's household, and go to a land I'm going to show you. And then people come and ask you, where are you going? And you say to them, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but God has called me. And God has promised me that he's going to be with me. A lot of people would wonder, is there something wrong with you? I remember about 15 years ago, Pastor Fred and Nancy came to us. And they said to us, we sense that God is calling us to move to Australia. We said to them, what are you going to do there? Who will you be with? You're going to live your life here and go and start afresh? And they said, yes we sense that God is calling us to go and start our lives afresh in Australia. And spending these last couple of days with them, I am so glad that they made that move to come to Australia. Is anyone else that's grateful for this couple? What a blessing they are. And I thank God that they obeyed God's call to move to Australia. When they moved here, after a couple of years, they said, you know what, we sense God is calling us to move to Kerang. We said, where? Where is that? They said, there's a city near Melbourne, two hours outside of Melbourne, called Kerang. Is it Kerang? Is it Kerang? How do you even... But then, six years ago, we came to visit them here. And as we came and we spent time with them here, we felt the same way. We felt that God had called them here. That God had called them to minister to the people here. And we prayed with them. 
And ever since that time, we keep in touch with them. We pray with them because we know that God will fulfill his purposes through them in this congregation. That God brought them all the way from Nairobi, thousands and thousands of miles, hours and hours on the airplane. God brought them here so that they can be a blessing. And it's important for you and I to understand two things. If you forget everything else that I, that I say today, I want you to understand two things. That number one, God has brought you here so that you can be blessed. And that in your time here, as part of this congregation, as part of this church, God's blessing will come upon you. I started attending our church when I was still a college student. I was a single young man. I met my wife through the ministry of our church. We got married in our church. Our kids have been born in our church. Our kids have been baptized in our church. Our kids are now serving God in our church. God has brought us here. God brings us into his family so that we can be blessed. And I pray that this blessing is not just for you. It's a blessing for your family. It's a blessing for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren. That this blessing will be a blessing that runs through generations. God, God has brought, you, brought us here so that we can be blessed. But God has also brought us here so that we can be a blessing. And I think a lot of times we can be so set on the place of receiving the blessing of God. But I want to challenge you from today that you would live a life that seeks to be a blessing. That every day when you wake up in the morning, you ask yourself, how can I be a blessing? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? Through my time, my talents, my treasure, through that which God has placed in my hands. That God brings us so that we can be blessed, but God also calls us that we can go and be a blessing. And that's why he says to this man, Abraham, he says to him, I will make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. But then he also says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. And I believe that as the family of God, that is what we are called to be. We are called to be a blessing. That this church is called to be a blessing to this town. That you and I are called to be a blessing to our neighbors, to our family members. We are called to be a blessing to the people that are around us. That you and I are called to be a blessing. But you see, as we walk through the journey of life, there are challenges that come our way. Sometimes we go through times of sickness. We can go through times of loss, times of disease. We can be faced with various challenges. And that's why it's so important that you and I have a posture like the one that Abraham had. Because Abraham's posture, as I said, number one, is that he was rooted in the promises of God. Through the different seasons, we see a man rooted in the promises of God. In Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, the word of God says, when Abraham was 99 years old, he received the promise when he's 75 years old. But at the age of 99, God is still speaking to him. It says when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. He's been waiting for 24 years for this promise, but he remained rooted in this promise. As he navigated through the different seasons, 
there was this awareness that God had made a promise that he would grant him a great future, that God would use him for his glory and for his name. When I think about how long Abraham had to wait for this promise to be fulfilled, I'm reminded of another man in the Bible, Job. We all know the story of Job. And Job loses everything. Everything is taken away from him. Even his own health is taken away from him. But his wife, you know, sometimes I ask myself, how come his wife was spared through all this? But his wife is there towards the very end. And as Job is faced with all these challenges, as he's battling with his own health, his wife comes and says to him, curse God and die. Curse God and die. But if you look at how Job responds, he responds out of a place of faith, out of a place of being secure in his identity, a place of being rooted in his knowledge of who God was. And we read on that God restored all that had been taken away from Job. We have to remain rooted in the promises of God. The second thing we see about the life of Abraham is that he was secure in the presence of God. He was secure in the presence of God. He was secure in his identity in God. He was so secure in who he was in God. When you read in portions of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 18, verse 20 to 33, God is about to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says to himself, will I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And what then takes place in this portion of scripture, in John chapter 18, from verse 20 to 33, is there's this conversation that happens between God and Abraham. And God says to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham begins to push back. He says to God, if you find 50 righteous men, will you still destroy the city? And God says, if I find 50 righteous men, I will not destroy the city. And then he says, if you find 40 righteous men, what about 30 righteous men? What about 10 righteous men? And every time God would respond and say, if I find 20, if I find 30, if I find 10 righteous men, I will not destroy the city. And I have to pause there and ask a question. If judgment was going to come upon the nation of Australia, if judgment was going to come upon Victoria, if judgment was going to come upon Kerang, would God find in this town 10 righteous men and women? Would God find in this town 20 righteous men and women? Would God find 50 righteous men and women? And would you and I be among those that God would say, because of this man, because of this woman, because of this family, I'm going to spare this city. Abraham was so secure that he was able to contend with God over this situation. When you think about him and Lot, they are walking on this journey together. And God blesses them. God increases them. And you read in Genesis chapter 13 that they come to a place where all of them, they have become so wealthy. And they have all this wealth. And their workers begin to argue among themselves. And as the workers began to argue, Abraham says to Lot, you choose. You choose whether you will go to the right or you will go to the left. And I will go in the opposite direction. But when you think about it, if it was you that was in Abraham's shoes, shouldn't he have been the one choosing where to go and then saying to Lot, go in the opposite direction? 
But this man is so secure in who he is in God. He knows that God has given him this promise. And so he says to Lot, you choose where you want to go and I will go in the opposite direction. He was so aware that it wasn't about physical location, but it was, it was about having the blessing and favor of God upon his life. You see, God protected Abraham, not because he was perfect. Of course, we know he made some wrong choices, but he was established in, in his love. He was rooted in the promises of God. He was secure in his presence, but you also see that he was established in God's love. He was so established in God's love that when God asks of him to give up his son Isaac, can you imagine you've been waiting for this child for 25 years because he receives the promise at the age of 75, but for 25 years he had been waiting for this child, the child of promise, waiting for a baby for 25 years. And then eventually the baby comes and God says to him, now give me back, give me back this child. Abraham was so secure that he goes, he makes the journey to give back the child because the word of God tells us that he believed that God was able to even bring him back to life from the dead. He believed that God was able. He was so established in, in God's love. But then we also see that he was grounded. He was grounded. He was grounded in God's word. He knew what God had spoken to him and he held on to that word through the different seasons. It's so important for us that we spend time in God's word. It's so important for us that we take time to hear and to listen and to read God's word and to spend time in fellowship with other believers. As I finish in the book of Haggai, Haggai chapter 1 and from verse 5, Haggai chapter 1 and from verse 5, this is what the Lord says. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. It says you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. It says in verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. It says in verse 10, Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crop. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produced, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. It says in verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. You see, what God was saying was, make me a priority. Make your relationship with me a priority in your life. He was saying to them, my house is here in ruins, yet each one of you is busy with your own house. 
You see what God was saying was prioritize your relationship with me. Make me a priority. And that's how I want to end today. That as we walk the journey of life, I pray that you and I will be rooted in the promises of God. That we will be established in his love. We will be secure in his presence. That we will be grounded in God's word. But I also want to challenge you to consider your ways. Have you prioritized the things of God? Are you involved in serving God? Are you involved in reaching out in your neighborhood? Are you involved in being salt and light where God has planted you? Have you responded to the call of God upon your life? Are you fulfilling the purposes of God where he has planted you? What would happen if you and I would prioritize our relationship with God? If you and I set ourselves to give of our time, to give of our talents, to give of our treasure, what would happen in this town if there were men and women from this church who were sold out to fulfilling the purposes of God, not just here in Kerang, not just in Melbourne, not just in Victoria, not just in Australia, but globally. If you allowed yourselves to be used of God, to touch and impact so many people that are walking in darkness. I believe that God is waiting for you. That God is waiting for you. That God is going to do a great work in you, through you, in your family, for the glory and honor of his name. He is a good God and he is a faithful God. And I pray that you you will fulfill your purposes according to his calling upon your life. In Jesus' name, amen.